Thank you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast, where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. I, in 23 years in the Army, I was sent to five different wars, 15 combat tours in five different wars. One of them, only one of them, in my entire career in the Army, was a United Nations mission. Now, this United Nations mission, the the very charter of the United Nations causes me to struggle a little bit. And this United Nations peacekeeping mission that I was on, it was a real challenge. Not just me, but for a guy that was integral to the United Nations operations in Somalia, who's getting ready to sit down right now, Mark Hollis and I, this was for me the most brutal battle in my entire career in the Army. This UN mission, you may know about it as Black Hawk Down. And the very charter, the reason why all of these nations around the world came together, one of the four purposes of the United Nations is to keep peace throughout the world. My problem with this very idea of United Nations, people sending money and military forces to keep peace around the world is no amount of bombs, no amount of bullets can make lasting peace. Don't get me wrong. Spending in a career in the United States military, I do believe that war can remove the factors and make it possible for peace. I just don't think war can create peace itself. So without a doubt, the one and only combat mission that I did as part of a United Nations operation was the most brutal, bloody battle. All of the rest of them combined didn't equate to that brutal battle. And I'm using the United Nations Charter Because today, we're going to talk about peace. And I need you to understand something before we even turn to the Bible today. People all over the world are looking for peace. People are begging for for peace. What the United Nations is trying to do at the society level, everyone is looking for in their soul as well. Don't believe me? Go look to an atheist. And they're hoping that their intellect will eventually get them to peace on the inside. The problem is it doesn't work. The Buddhist is working hard to reach enlightenment and some sort of peace. Even the Muslim that is committing the greater jihad is struggling and warring for peace on the inside. The lesser jihad is fighting the infidel. The bigger jihad is fighting inside in Islam. And all of them are trying to accomplish something that no amount of force can do for you. You see, no amount of force on earth can make peace on the inside of you. Lasting peace on the inside, it comes as a gift from the outside. It comes from the author and the owner of peace. And today you're going to see Jesus's thoughts on the word peace and actually a gift that he's going to give to you if you call yourself a follower of Jesus. Now I need you to understand before we even dig into John chapter 14 today that what we're reading from the Bible today is Jesus preparing his disciples for one of the most difficult moments of their life. 
I'm about to leave, he's telling them, and when I leave, you're going to struggle. But I need you to understand that I'm not leaving you alone, that I'm not turning my back on you. I need you, listen to me, Christian. Jesus is saying to his followers, I need you to know that you can have peace even when stuff is going crazy around you. You can have peace on the inside even when the world is spinning out of control on the outside. And that's what he's going to offer to me. That's what he's going to offer to you. If everybody on the planet is looking for peace, but nobody can manufacture it, nobody can force it, nobody can create it on their own, well, where do you really go? What do you turn to for this lasting peace? And Jesus is going to answer that question for you. We're going to be in John chapter 14. Our church has been studying through the Bible book of John, and we're trying to look at what does following Jesus look like in real life, like not just in Bible pages, but what does it look like at my job tomorrow when my boss is a jerk? What does it look like in my marriage when I'm struggling with my relationship? What does it look like with my children? Well, here's the first thing that I need you to understand. Peace comes from being let into a new family. Look, y'all, I know that this statement is awkward and this sentence is really worded weird. And I did this on purpose because this is the word that I need you to understand before we even open the Bible. You can't force your way into a new family. You can't force the family to let you in. They have to actually want you and let you into the family. And Jesus is going to tell you what it takes to become part of God's family. When God lets you in, you don't force your way into God's family. So we're going to pick up right where Pastor Troy left off last week. We're going to start in John chapter 14, and we're going to start in verse 18 as Jesus starts to prepare you, prepare me for peace that lasts a lifetime and then eternal lifetime. Here's what he says. I will not leave you as orphans. Please say the word orphan out loud. Because that's essential to what you're going to hear from Jesus today. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. And in a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. These were some of the words that God used to change my soul when I was 13 years old. Because Jesus is saying, I am in planning on leaving, but I'm not leaving you alone. And I will be with you, and you will eventually be with me for eternity. Be, because I live, you will live too. And on that day, you will know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. The one who has my commands and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I also will love him and reveal myself to him. Today, on Father's Day, Jesus is describing what it looks like to be without a father, without a father in heaven. And he's going to use the word peace today. I'm going to refer to peace extensively in this sermon today. The first kind of peace that Jesus is preparing us for is peace with God. 
It's the thing that all religious people all over the planet are trying to figure out. What separates Christianity from all of the other faiths out there is every other form of religion, whatever that looks like, all over the planet is ultimately an attempt to work your way into God's graces, to work your way into the family of God. The problem is you can't force your way in and you can't work your way in. Christianity is different than all of those other faith systems out there. Because in Christianity, God looks down from heaven, just like we read at the beginning of this service, and he sees the prisoner, he hears their groaning, and he decides to set them free and to adopt them into his family. This is what real, lasting, eternal, soul-level peace looks like. When I was a child, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And I had this absolutely terrifying fear of death. And if you were to examine the fear of dying under a microscope, what you're going to see in virtually all cases is it basically boils down to, I don't know what happens to me after I die. Is God real? Is there life after death? And if God is real, is he going to be pleased with me? Is he going to allow me to be with him after I die? This is what I struggled with for years. This is what everybody who wrestles with the fear of death has to deal with. And what Jesus is saying is, I'm about to leave. I'm going to die, literally. But I'm going to live again. And because I live, even though you die, you will live again. The neighbors that came to talk to me and explain the good news to me, that was the moment that the light bulb came on for me. Jesus' promise of everlasting life is strong enough. You can take it to the bank. And he's saying the same uh, father that raised me from the grave will raise you from the grave and you will be with me and we will be together for eternity. And you are now part of the family of God. And because you're part of the family, you don't come to the table of God as a stranger. You come to him as a son or as a daughter. It's Father's Day in the United States. And we don't have gifts for you today, Dad. What we have is to explain to you the greatest gift of all. As most of you know, I just got back just a, uh, about a day ago from India, and I spent almost two weeks taking a handful of pastors and church leaders with me to see the orphanages and the churches in India. Virtually every one of these were started by a child that grew up on the streets with no mama or daddy. And then the ministries took them in and treated them like sons and daughters. They gave them an education and then they sent them out. But in India, if you grow up in the lowest caste of society, you grow up as less than a human being, which means we don't give you a birth certificate and we don't even recognize that you're really a human. So as these children grew up in orphanages, as they got ready to finish Bible college and become church leaders and start churches, pastor churches, they didn't, many of them didn't have birth certificates and they didn't have a last name. And so the guy who began these ministries, Dr. M.A. Thomas, and his son now who leads those ministries, Dr. Sam Thomas, virtually gives every child who grew up in the orphanage as they get ready to leave, when they 
sign that when they give them uh, official birth records with the government of India, they give them their last name. And those children go out and become church leaders with the last name Thomas because that's all that they know. They have been adopted into the family of God because of the kindness and the generosity of a man who looked at them and took them off of the streets and educated them and gave them a future. And for most of us who have no idea what it's like to grow up in those circumstances, I was looking this week for a way to illustrate this to you. One of my favorite movies, I watch this movie all the time, it drives my family crazy, is a video game turned into a movie called The Prince of Persia. And Dastan is the Prince of Persia. He is an unlikely prince because he didn't grow up in the castle. He wasn't born into the king's family. There's a scene in the movie Prince of Persia where he is trying to rescue the damsel in distress and all she knows about him is that he is a prince of Persia. And I want you to hear from Dastan's own mouth what it would be like to be an orphan and then lose your father and by losing your father, lose everything because now you've got nothing and no hope for the future. Check out this clip and listen to Dastan as he describes what it would be like as an orphan if you just left, if you just lost your father, the one who took you in off of the streets. So if you can't prove to your uncle how the dagger works, why in the world would he believe you? It's not your problem, princess. You know, you really walk like one. Head held high, chest out, long, stomping strides. The walk of a self-satisfied Persian prince. No doubt it comes from being told since birth the world is yours <laughs> and actually believing it. I wasn't born in a palace like you. I was born in the slums of Nassaf, where I lived if I fought and I clawed for it. And how did you become a prince? The king marched into the market one day and he... I don't know, he... He found me. He took me in. He gave me a family. He gave me a home. What you're looking at is the walk of a man who just lost everything. Fathers, we want you to think about it tonight when you lead your family tonight when you lay your head down and go to bed. The fact that you can call the king of kings father is only possible because he found you and he loved you and he invited you into his family. And dads, would you listen to me for a second? And he gave you his name. And that means that your family is now invited into God's family because he loved you and he wanted you to have a place at his table and you're no longer an orphan you've been let into a new family and I hope that this week dads you will have this profound sense of peace of knowing that you're right with your creator and as you lead your family you will lead your family to know him and to love him as father too which brings up the second thing that Jesus says peace comes from being loved by your father in heaven. 
the same love that he has for Jesus, Jesus has for you. And because Jesus loves you, that means that the Father loves you. Listen to what he says next. Jesus' words in verse 22 and following. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, because we hate that guy. The other Judas said to him, Lord, how is it that you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the word? Now, to the world. Now, if you're in the habit of circling words in your Bible, I want you to circle the word reveal because Judas, the other Judas that followed Jesus, is confused right now. Just like Philip was confused, just like Thomas was confused, just like Peter was not only confused but mistaken. Jesus, I don't get it. You're now saying that you're leaving, but you're also saying that you're going to reveal yourself to us. I'm confused. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My, and here's what happens to those who love Jesus and keep his word. Those who keep Jesus' word, and this is their way of demonstrating that they love him. My father will love him, and he will come to me and make our home with him. The one who does not, doesn't love me will not keep my words. The words that you hear is not mine, but it's from the Father who sent me. And Jesus is saying, when you keep my words, and I'm giving you words that come from the Father, you're keeping the Father's words. And for Jesus, keeping equals obeying. Would you say that out loud? Keeping equals obeying, and obeying equals loving. Say that out loud. What Jesus is saying here is if you love me, you will obey me. And if we were to reverse the logic, if you don't obey me, you don't love me. And I love the Father and the Father loves me. And as you follow me and I'm following the Father, I want you to know that you're following the Father, which should cause you a little bit of concern right now. Because really what Jesus is challenging you is to the same extent that I love my father and I follow my father, that's what I expect of my followers as well. Which means up to and including your life if necessary, this is what Jesus is asking of his followers. Judas is confused. Because like every other good Jewish boy, Judas heard that one day Messiah is going to come. He's going to ride in on a white horse. He's going to defeat the enemies of God, and he's going to take his rightful throne. And Jesus, you're now saying that you're about to leave, and the rest of the world is not going to see you anymore, and we haven't seen the white horse yet. Jesus, we haven't seen you defeat God's enemies. We're ready for you to take the throne, and now you're telling us that you're leaving instead of taking the throne, and I don't get it. And by the way, Christian, do this today, later today, will you? Go back and open the last book of the Bible. Go read Revelation 19, and you will see where all of the promises of Messiah are fulfilled in this one chapter, when he really does ride in on a white horse, when he really does conquer the enemies of God, when he really does rightfully take his throne. It just doesn't happen in 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. It happens in Revelation 19. And Jesus is saying, I, I know you love me, and the way that you show me that you love me is by obeying my commandments. And if you don't obey my commandments, then you really don't need to tell people that you love me. I remember speaking to a group of church leaders years ago, and I heard one or two of them say quite literally, I know what the Bible says, but I'm not going to do it. 
And I thought to myself, I need you to be very, very careful what's coming out of your mouth right now. Because that whole Christian ethic, and I'm putting this in air quotes of, I know what the Bible says, but I'm not going to do it anyway. If you were to hear from John 14, should cause some great concern. Because Jesus is saying the way that you show that you love is through obedience. And obedience is loving. And if you're not obeying, then you're really not loving. And my air quotes with Christian ethics is not air quotes with the word ethics. My problem is with the word Christian. Because if you're calling yourself a Christian and not obeying, perhaps it's time to stop calling yourself a Christian in the first place. Jesus is saying, listen, you've been led into a new family. And you are now loved by the father of the fatherless. You're loved by the king of kings and the creator of the universe. And what God is really trying to do is to join a broken relationship together. But it's going to have to happen at the heart level. And so here's where Jesus goes next. Peace ultimately is learned. And it comes through his spirit. Jesus is preparing his followers to leave. And he's saying, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan, and I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm about to send you my spirit. And my spirit is going to teach you what it means to follow me. Verse 25. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. Right here while I'm with you, I'm trying to prepare you. But the counselor, notice capital C, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have told you. If you're reading the Bible and this part starts to sound familiar to you, it should because this is very much the same kind of language that Jesus is using at the end of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, what we call as Christians the Great Commission, teaching people to observe all things. Jesus says that happens because the Holy Spirit is teaching you. And really what Jesus is saying here is that the Holy Spirit is going to do some work in your heart. So would you say out loud, all heart work is Holy Spirit work. Say that out loud. The Holy Spirit works on the human heart and changes the human heart so that you will obey, so that you want to obey, so that obeying is no longer a struggle for you. You long to obey because your heart has been changed. The reason why all of those other faiths will ultimately fail at the end is because it's an attempt to work your way into the good graces of some kind of deity out there. But the heart is the problem with this. All of us have a heart that has been disconnected with God. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to fix the problem. But in order to fix the problem, I'm going to have to go to the heart of the problem, which means I'm going to have to fix your heart. And in order to fix your heart, I'm going to have to take out a sinful, selfish heart, a heart that puts itself first and worships yourself. And I'm going to have to replace it with a heart that loves God and wants to obey God. And then obeying is easy. Then following God is easy because the heart wants to follow God. You see, I hope at this point, somebody who's watching this broadcast is hearing 
wait a second, God is asking me to radically follow him, even if that means giving up my life for him. I don't have a heart to do that. And if that's where you're at right now, it's good that you're at the point where realizing my heart doesn't want to do that right now. Because the very next thing that should come to your mind is I need help with my heart. I need something to change my heart so that I do want to do that. And Jesus says, that's what the Holy Spirit's business is. His business is heart business. And his job is to change your heart. And after I leave, my counselor, which is literally translated intercessor, is going to change your heart. Do you know that word intercessor is courtroom language? It's the language that we would use for somebody that's on trial and there's an advocate or an intercessor right next to them in the courtroom. But I don't want you to think about it as the word lawyer today. You see, a lawyer uses the law to get somebody who's guilty off the hook. The intercessor, counselor word that Jesus is using today is the word that you would use for somebody who steps in front of the judge and says, they're guilty, they deserve punishment, but instead of punishing them, I want you to punish me. I'll take their punishment so that they can go free. That's the intercessor word that Jesus is using. But wait, it's bigger than that. You see, it's actually the idea that you're going to keep breaking the law because you have a heart that wants to break the law. So not only am I going to take the penalty for the law that you broke, but I'm going to fix your heart so that it doesn't want to break the law anymore. And this is what Jesus is promising his people. This is what makes Christianity different. Everybody else is trying to work their way there. And Jesus is saying, it's foolishness to try to work your way there. I'm going to fix the heart. And then the heart wants to follow me. And so you don't have to war against your heart. You don't have to work at doing something that your heart really doesn't want to do. And ultimately, Jesus is coming to offer peace. His peace. Now, I need you to understand, at this point, this whole sermon has been developed to argue to you that you can't accomplish lasting peace on your own. You can't war for it, and you can't work for it to change your heart. It's going to have to be done for you. And what Jesus promises his people today, the ultimate promise from the scriptures today, is that he's going to give you a gift that you could never afford, work your entire lifetime, you can't afford it, and you can't earn it on your own. And here's the gift, starting in verse 27. Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Jesus is saying, I'm not giving you peace like everybody else out there is looking for and working for. My peace is different. It's mine. I own it. I am the author of it. And that means I and only I can give it away. And I'm about to give you something that you can't work for on your own. Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. And here's what it looks like. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. You have heard me tell you that I'm going away and I am coming to you. And if you loved me, you would rejoice that I'm going away. You would rejoice that I'm going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. And I have told you now 
before it happens so that when it does happen to you, you may believe. I will not talk with you much longer because the ruler of this world is coming. He has no power over me, and I need you to know, Christians, before we read any farther, because you are in Jesus, and the ruler of this world has no power over Jesus. That means he has no power over you too. He has no power over me. And on the contrary, so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do as the Father commanded me. Get up. Let's leave this place because it's time for us to be about my father's business is ultimately what Jesus is saying here. We've used the word peace extensively throughout this sermon. And at this point, I need you to understand what the Bible means by this word peace. You see, I think in a lot of people's minds, the word peace has the context of quietness and solitude where there's no bad stuff happening around you. That's not what Jesus is talking about today. Maybe for you, the word peace means prosperity. It means I have enough possessions. I have enough money in the bank account that I don't have to worry about problems anymore because I can pay for whatever those problems are. That is definitely not what Jesus is talking about here. The gift that he is going to give to his people, the word peace at its root essence means joining two things together. I need you to think about falling off a ladder and breaking your leg. And now there are two fractured parts of that bone. And when you bring two broken or fractured parts together, and when they heal, you have the Bible word peace. Except for the fractured parts that Jesus is talking about is humanity that is fractured and broken off from God. You see, back in the very beginning, God and humanity had this intimacy, this father and child relationship when God fathered his child Adam, and they walked together like a father and a son walked through the garden in the cool of the day. And then Adam fractured and broke that relationship. And every human being since then, their relationship with God in heaven has been broken. And Jesus says, I've come to set a broken relationship together again. Listen, every broken relationship between two human beings on earth, it can ultimately be traced back to the same source. It is the brokenness that sin caused. The very first thing that Adam and Eve did after they committed that very first sin in the garden was hide their nakedness from one another by sewing fig leaves together. In other words, sin broke Adam's relationship with Eve at the same time that it broke Adam's relationship with his father, God. And Jesus is saying, I'm coming to give you peace with the father. I'm coming to give you peace with other people because I'm coming to give you peace within. Now, would you look up here for a second? Because only the prince of peace can give you permanent peace. Did you hear what I just said, Christian? Because you missed an awesome opportunity to say amen or hallelujah. So I'm going to give you one more chance to do that. Only the Prince of Peace can give you permanent peace. See, the Bible describes him way back in the Old Testament in the prophet of Isaiah as the living God, the Prince of Peace, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. That's who Jesus is. And Jesus says, it's mine to give and only mine to give. And if you want it, I'll give it to you for free. 
You can't work for it. You can't pay for it. So stop trying to pray your way into heaven. Don't think that by giving a whole lot of money in that offering box when you walk out the door, it's going to honor God. I'm going to give you something for free. And the reason why you pray, the reason why you give is because you've been changed within. And now that you've been changed within, of course, it's going to change things with others. And it ultimately changes things with God. So I'm coming to give my people peace, the gift of lasting, permanent Peace. And I hope that somebody is watching this sermon right now and they're saying, I need that kind of peace. Before we go any further, I need you to hear this. You come to God on his terms, not on your terms. So if you need the peace that Jesus is offering for the first time, what you're going to have to do is accept Jesus' terms for this peace, which means you lay down your life, your future, your plans, your hopes, and he will change you from the inside out. And when he changes you from the inside out, now following him is not work anymore. Now it's a joy because your heart has been turned and now you have the heart that wants to honor your father. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.